this is Sam Lischak with Absolute EHS. Today I have Dr. Isabel Cohen. Hi, Dr. Cohen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So um, you are a, an OBGYN, correct? I am. All yes. right. So can you tell us a bit about your background before we dive in? Sure. I grew up in the Bay Area as a first-generation American, and then I studied molecular and cell biology, as well as Spanish and Portuguese in college at UC Berkeley. I then went to medical school in Albany, New York. And after that, I completed a residency in obstetrics and gynecology at Sinai Hospital of Baltimore, where I stayed for about three years as part of the faculty and the associate program director. And then more recently, we moved back to California, where I'm now practicing as a board certified OBGYN at a practice affiliated with Stanford in Oakland. Wow. Um, that's crazy. So I guess before COVID, uh, were you mostly in Baltimore or were you in California when COVID hit? Yeah, after residency, I spent three years in Baltimore and then I was here for maybe about six months before the pandemic started. Okay, so before the pandemic started, what did those six months look like for women's health care for you in particular? here I was um, seeing patients in the office, delivering babies and doing surgeries um, as part of a pretty busy practice, um, a pretty kind of bread and butter OBGYN. Okay. So when COVID did hit, particularly on the West Coast and California got hit so hard and you guys are yes. still really, really going through it, what changed? Um, well, in terms of the office, what changed was that we started doing a lot more virtual visits. We were doing some video and telephone visits before the pandemic, um, but that started to be a much more, you know, a bigger proportion of the visits. And we tried to, when the pandemic first started, we actually canceled a lot of routine visits um, because I think we just had no idea how long this was going to go on. Um, so, you know, now we're no longer saying that you should delay routine screening exams. Um, but we're trying to do everything we can virtually to keep, you know, patients and the staff as safe as possible. Um, when I do see patients in the office, I wear an N95 mask as well as eye covering um, and gloves, which, you know, of course, to do a pelvic exam, I was wearing gloves <laughs> before, but not necessarily to do like the heart and lung part of the exam. Fair enough. So when you talk about routine, I assume you're talking PAP, breast exam, if you have no previous symptoms or reason to believe there's a problem? Yeah. Yeah. What we would consider like an annual um, exam where, yes, it typically involves a breast exam, um, uh, may involve a pap smear, um, you know, an exam of the uterus and the ovaries. Okay. And then a virtual OBGYN visit I mean, you're not delivering babies over the phone. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what would that look like? <laughs> no. So that we can, you know, we can't do, um, you know, much of an exam virtually. So that would be things where we can talk and try to solve the problem. So that could be someone who wants to talk about their contraceptive options. Um, in many cases, we can prescribe things like a birth control pill without seeing the patient after we speak with them. Um, or sometimes they, you know, the patient might want to talk about having something like an implant or an IUD place so we can do the initial consult virtually. Um, of course, they still have to come into the office to have the procedure done. Yes. Um, or, you know, if somebody has a problem like abnormal bleeding, sometimes we can solve that. Um, or if they have symptoms of a urinary tract infection, for example. So um, before we talk about the vaccine, 
I want to talk about COVID and women's health. Before we before we started recording, um, we were talking about how a lot of research on diseases and vaccines and just how things affect people tends to be done on men, at least in history, or historically speaking. Um, does COVID affect women differently? Do we have different warning signs, or is it pretty much the same across the board? Um, I, from what I understand, it's pretty similar. It's true that with other diseases, there are different um, symptoms or warning signs, like for example, for, with a heart attack. Um, but I believe it's similar with women. We do know that pregnant women, while they're not more likely to get COVID, they are more likely to be at risk of more severe disease. So they may be at higher risk for needing to be intubated and have mechanical ventilation and ICU stay, um, maybe even at higher risk of dying from the disease. Have you found that, and I know there's hardly any research, I figured I might as well ask though. So yeah. if women who are pregnant are more likely to have what I would call a more severe reaction, I guess, to COVID, are the babies in utero also at higher risk? So there is, like you said, very little research, but it seems so far that it's very unlikely for COVID to be transmitted through the placenta to the developing baby. So that's at least some good news. That is good news. Um, there have been some reports of um, preterm delivery in moms who have COVID or, and even of stillbirth. Um, so I think, you know, we'll know more as we gather more information. Right. I guess we wouldn't necessarily have enough information for statistical significance. It's or, Right. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I know, you know, um, it being almost January, we're hitting the, I think they're calling, pan, what are they calling it? Pandemic babies or <laughs> the era of pandemic babies are starting to be born. So yeah. um, I hope that everybody has a safe pregnancy and birthing process, but we'll probably have, you're probably pretty busy with that. Yeah. And, you know, for pregnancy, we just kind of recommend the same thing that we do for when, you know, people are not pregnant. Um, you know, involving physical distancing, wearing masks um, as much as possible. Okay. Um, one question, again, right before we get to the vaccine part uh, that I've seen come up a lot is, um, so children are getting COVID in daycares. While it's not as prevalent or they tend to be more asymptomatic, we do know that children are getting um, COVID. Some women are curious about if they co-sleep or if they're breastfeeding is there a way to protect themselves from their own child? Is there something that they should be doing? Yeah, so this comes up a lot um, when a, a mom delivers the baby. Um, we have had you know, patients who have COVID at the time of delivery, and if they you know, want to breastfeed, um, we don't discourage that. And there's no evidence that COVID is transmitted through the breast milk. Um, although again, you know, we need more information, but so far that's reassuring. The risk is, of course, if you're so close to the infant that you're going to transmit the disease through, um, you know, breathing and being, you know, holding the baby. Um, so we actually try to recommend wearing, you know, washing hands, even wearing gloves and wearing a face mask um, or cloth shield while you're breastfeeding the baby. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, that's very new and of course difficult to, for, for new moms to get used to. Yeah, that would be pretty hard, but uh, we should reiterate, we should never put masks on babies. <laughs> this is uh, not yeah. something we want to yes. do. Yeah. Just make sure to put that That's up. right. Mask only on the mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So um, 
let's talk about the vaccine. So uh, I know you got your first dose. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, I guess the, the routine question to ask here is which one did you get? How old are you? And are there any comorbidities or allergies that the listener should be aware of? Um, I got the Pfizer vaccine. I got my first dose on December 23rd and I'm 36 and I have no major medical problems. Awesome. Okay. So how, how did you get notified? How did you, was it a lottery? Um, how, what was the whole process like for you? Um, our organization used a tiered system um, where they tried to identify, you know, the, the highest um, risk or the most um, like frontline workers. So people who work in the emergency room and in the ICUs were vaccinated first. Um, and then when it was my turn, I received an email notification that I was welcome to schedule my vaccine. Were there requirements for you to get vaccinated through your employer? No, it's not a mandate. Okay. That's, that's good for some people. That's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you obviously chose to do it. Um, was it a debate in your head? It's such a new vaccine. Were you comfortable doing it? Did you kind of have a pros and cons list? Yeah, I, I think um, while it's a new vaccine, it has been well studied. So, you know, you know something like 40, 45,000 people in the Pfizer and in the Moderna trials with very few side effects, very few significant, um, you know, adverse events. So I felt comfortable getting the vaccine. That's good. Um, and then uh, given, given your age, you're obviously, and given that you know about OBGYN and all that other stuff, um, women who are trying to conceive who maybe are pregnant right now or maybe breastfeeding. So I guess this is three separate questions. Um, once it's their turn, do you think that they should be getting vaccinated or hold off or how, how might that vaccine affect fertility or the, the, the fetus or the breast milk? Yeah. So that's a great question. Cause that we definitely don't have a lot of information on because pregnant women um, were notably excluded from the vaccine trials. Um, the American College of OBGYN has released a statement saying that pregnant women should not be withheld from being offered the vaccine when it's their, you know, when they meet criteria and um, that breastfeeding women um, should, can totally receive the vaccine safely. Um, I believe that women trying to conceive also should feel comfortable getting the vaccine. So it sounds like we just, it doesn't really matter. What um, yes, I think we can't, we can't 100% say that there's no risk because we haven't done the studies yet. Sure. Um, but knowing what we know about how the mRNA vaccine works, um, we don't believe that there should be any negative effect on um, the pregnant mom or the developing baby. Is that in part due to the fact that COVID doesn't seem to go across the placental barrier? Or is that just what we know about vaccines in general? I think that would be more based on what we know about vaccines in general. There are very few vaccines that we don't give in pregnancy. Those are primarily the live vaccines, um, which contain you know, an actual portion of the, the virus that you're trying to protect against. Um, and so um, and even those have, have not, um, well, well oh, sorry, I should just say, yeah, we don't give those in pregnancy, but other vaccines are perfectly safe and routine. And there are some that we definitely recommend in pregnancy, including 
um, the Tdap, which is tetanus and diphtheria and pertussis, and as well as the influenza vaccine. Okay. Yay. Love the flu vaccine. Um, <laughs> uh, another kind of question I've seen circulating, frankly, over the entire year is people who are inclined to go hospital birth, preferring to go doula midwife and stay home because of COVID concerns. Um, is there any kind of, I guess it would be an opinion that you might share um, regarding what people might do? Yeah, I think um, the concern with a home birth is that you just never know. And when things don't go well, it can be you know a matter of seconds or minutes before um, you can have a catastrophic outcome for the mother or the baby. Um, so while you know a midwife birth um, in a birth center um, is, is totally reasonable for many patients, um, I think that that's a safer place to be because you have the ability to have um, an OB or an operating room if needed. Good. Okay. Um, wow, you're very efficient. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the questions I had um, that I kind of harvested. Are there any other things that have been coming up? Anything you want to address here? I'm sure people are just calling you with all sorts of COVID questions and vaccine questions. Um, yeah, no, I think you covered the main ones. Um, you know, hopefully we'll know more as time goes on and you know, make people feel a little bit more reassured about getting the vaccine in pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and just for the general public, I, I know that, you know, not everybody is going to take the vaccines and um, I hope that we're able to educate people about its safety and efficacy because the more people we vaccinate, you know, the more effective it's going to be for all, all of our communities. That's true. That's true. Oh, um, one really major question that I, I skipped is, um, did you have any side effects after getting vaccinated? No, I well, I shouldn't say no. I did have my my arm was sore the next day, but that was it. I didn't have um, some of the other things, which I think are pretty common, like maybe low grade fever and sore muscles, fatigue. Okay. I didn't have. And we know it wasn't from some birthing mom squeezing your arm too tight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was from that. Okay. Well, that's, that sounds pretty benign then. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm so, looking forward to the second dose. Yeah. So when is your, when is your second dose? The second dose is going to be, I believe the second week of January. It's about three weeks after the first for the Pfizer vaccine. Great. Okay. And then do you know if there's, if you were to take the second dose like a week early or a week late, or what if you got COVID between the first and second dose? Mm -hmm. What, you know, what are the consequences of that? I'm not sure, I'm not, I could be wrong about this, but I don't think that we have enough information to say what to do if you do get COVID between the first and second dose. Um, I think for me, I would just get the second dose. Yeah. Uh, and then, unless, of course, I was too ill to do so. Fair enough. In, in the maternity ward, are, are all the doctors and nurses staggering their doses? Are there, is there concern over getting everybody dosed at the same time? Um, that's a good question. Uh, not that I'm aware of, but uh, that might be just something that I, that's sort of, that I haven't heard about. Sure. Yeah. The logistics seem to change from hospital to hospital, which is why I ask. Yeah. 
Yes, that's true. Great. All right. Anything else to share or should we uh, just pick it up in three weeks? Um, yeah, that sounds good. Okay. We'll, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Dr. Cohen. Thank you for having me.